Together, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given to us your servant's grace by the confession of the true faith of your holy church, who acknowledge the mystery and glory of the eternal trinity and in the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith and worship and bring us at last to see in your one and eternal glory, O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Ghost live and reign, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of the Proverbs, the 8th chapter. Does not wisdom call and understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all who live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, and when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made the earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him, like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, playing before him always, playing in this inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Here ends the reading.
reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the fifth chapter. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, knowing that affliction produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Here ends the reading. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 
For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Have you been to the Hallmark store lately? They not only sell greeting cards, but they sell knickknacks and gifts, things to show your affection for somebody. You can go any time of the year and find a birthday card, an anniversary card. And of course, during certain times of the year, certain kinds of greeting cards fit for the season. Well, today is Trinity Sunday. I didn't have the chance to go by the Hallmark store this past week, but I'm pretty sure that they don't have a Trinity Sunday section. If they did, I wonder what that Trinity Sunday greeting card would look like. Maybe a picture of St. Patrick on the front, holding one of those clovers. Maybe with the words from the breastplate of St. Patrick. You know, he was an amazing leader who brought the Christian faith to Ireland. He's known as an evangelist. And when he wanted to teach the Christian faith to the children, namely the teaching of the Trinity, the clover was the metaphor that he used, a teaching tool. Every metaphor, of course, falls short. Just when it gives a little bit of insight to understand more deeply, we recognize that it can't even come close to fully describing a big idea. No metaphor can. The church has so many different ways to try to understand the power and majesty of the Trinity. Ultimately, ultimately, it's a mystery. I wonder if, if actually the greeting card for Trinity Sunday, you open it up inside, should be blank. Because all of our words fall short. Just when we try our very best, humbly, our words fall short to try to describe who God is and what God does. This Sunday, the Sunday following Pentecost is Trinity Sunday. I think as a corrective almost for the church to remind us of, of who God is. The doctrine of the Trinity was hammered against the anvil of heresy during the days of the early church. There were people in those first few hundred years after Jesus' earthly ministry, trying to make sense of the question, who is God? There was a complete affirmation that God is the creator. God is whoever brought Israel out of Egypt. God is who raised Jesus from the dead. But now God is present in the power of the Spirit in the church. So how do we make sense of all of this? Those heretics, as they're now called in the early church, they weren't evil people trying to sabotage God's work in the world. They were good people trying to make sense of it. 
and through prayer and discussion and meetings and discernment, there were some ideas that were deemed out of bounds. Meanwhile, central ideas that form the core of orthodox Christian faith that reflects the truth of what's revealed in the Scripture. And so we have Trinity Sunday, a day to reflect upon the beauty of who God is. We have these special days all throughout the year that ought to prompt us into reflecting upon a theme all year long, quite frankly. During our worship service, as a response to the word read and proclaimed, we have, we have an affirmation of faith. Oftentimes, the Apostles' Creed, sometimes the Nicene Creed. All of these creeds reflect the Trinity. This particular Sunday, today, we're going to do something a little bit different. You'll find printed in your bulletin, um, we're not, not going to read it right now, but coming up, we have the words from the Articles of Religion of the Methodist Church along with the Confession of Faith of the Evangelical United Brethren Church. These statements of faith, along with John Wesley's explanatory notes upon the New Testament and John Wesley's standard sermons, make up the core of the United Methodist Church's doctrinal standards. So we are going to reflect upon, using these statements of faith, who God is as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the great early church fathers was named Gregory Nazianzen, and he has a marvelous quote. I would love for you to memorize this with me, okay? Here it goes. When I say God, I mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. When I say God, I mean Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in other words, the word God, when you hear it, when you read it, when you sing it, Think to yourself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is a mystery for us to behold, not a puzzle to solve. There's a difference between a puzzle and a mystery. I like puzzles. I think one of the reasons why I enjoyed math class so much as a student, I saw math as solving a puzzle. There have been puzzles that people have tried to solve for thousands of years. In ancient times, there were word puzzles, like riddles. In recent times, we have other kinds, like a crossword puzzle, or wordle, or puzzles like a Rubik's Cube. Have you ever tried to solve a Rubik's Cube? You know, these cubes, they were um, invented several decades ago, and several years after they were sold as a toy, a young boy actually figured out an algorithm to solve the Rubik's Cube, and, and he sold it. And so there are people who can solve a Rubik's Cube. In fact, you can go on YouTube, and you can watch videos of young people solve a Rubik's Cube very quickly. It's pretty amazing. We had a Rubik's Cube in our home, and we had it sitting on the dining room table, and someone would pick it up and fiddle with it, try to twist it and turn it and solve it. 
get frustrated, put it down. Then someone else would pick up the Rubik's Cube, try to twist it and turn it, solve it, get frustrated, put it down. Finally, one of our sons had a really great idea. He took off all the stickers <laughs> of the colors and then reapplied them. That's actually a, a contemporary version of an ancient Greek myth about the Gordian knot. The Gordian knot was a rope that was so twisted, tangled up in a knot that was impossible to untangle. According to the myth, Alexander the Great came with his sword and chopped it and said, there, that'll do it. But that's what we do with some puzzles that seem unsolvable, right? We explode it. We tear it apart out of our frustration and angst. I'm concerned that's the way that some people approach God and the teaching of the Trinity, perhaps other Christian teachings as well. Instead of beholding it as a mystery, looking at it as a puzzle that needs to be solved. And because we can't solve it, we come with our sword and cut it. Or we ignore it. We try to pretend it doesn't exist because we can't solve that puzzle. We like puzzles, though. I like doing jigsaw puzzles. Those are my favorite. I love going from a box of assorted pieces to having it finished on the table. Going from chaos to order. That's biblical, isn't it? That's Genesis 1. It's interesting to take all these pieces and to just with some perseverance and some patience, with some ingenuity, they get put together. And when it's all done, you can take your hand and run it over. It feels so good. It, it's a satisfied feeling of completion. I did it. We love to solve puzzles because it represents the best of what we can put into an effort. Creativity, thought, purposefulness. And we can stand back and behold, look what I did. There are some puzzles in life, but there are a whole lot of mysteries. Mysteries that cannot be approached in the same way that we approach a puzzle. This is why the doctrine of the Trinity is so valuable for our reflection today and throughout the whole year because it's a mystery that helps us to engage the presence of God fully. We encounter so many mysteries in life, don't we? Why did she say that? Or I wonder how he's going to approach this. Or, I wonder what next week is going to look like. Or, I wonder what I need to do about this tough situation. Some situations are puzzles that can be solved with just enough clever ingenuity. But, but mysteries, mysteries are phenomenons in which we approach a situation with questions. And instead of coming away with answers, we actually come away with more questions. 
I'm inviting you to embrace the mystery of the Trinity. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing about Christian ministry, who we are as the church, what we're about. And he has this great phrase. He says that we are stewards of the mystery. That's what we do, isn't it? Oh, it would be so much easier if church were simply you show up and you get a one, two, three algorithm on how to solve the puzzle of your life. Wouldn't that be nice? We are stewards of the mystery. And when we behold the mystery of the Trinity, God equips us to live fully in this world. The good news of the gospel is it is not our job to solve the mystery. But the love of God that has been poured out on this world in the person of Jesus Christ is experienced by the power of the Spirit today, right now. Oh my goodness, there's so much we can't understand. Think about that cell phone that you use. You don't understand all of the programming, the ones and the zeros. You don't understand how it connects to a tower. You don't understand how you can take a crystal clear image and instantly send it to somebody on the other side of the world. Even though you don't understand it, you're still able to connect with others. Or think about your car. You don't fully understand the fuel injection system, how the pistons drive the engine. We don't even understand power windows. But the car can still get us from where we are to where we need to be. Or think about your very bodies. Even physicians don't completely understand the human anatomy, how our lungs can transform oxygen, how our heart can pump blood, how our eyes can make sense of what is in front of us. It's a mystery. And yet here we are, able to live. Being connected, getting to where we need to be, and living. It's the mystery of God's love at work within your life. It's the mystery of the Trinity unfolding in the life of the church today. I pray for you that you would behold the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessing of the Son, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit as we are gathered by the love of the Heavenly Father. This is the mystery that we behold. It's the mystery that holds us. And it is indeed the hallmark of the Christian faith. Amen.